You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we will talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. Uh, by the way, you can find us on blogtalkradio.com slash missyae, but you can also find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are available. You'll get access to all of our shows, including ones that we have coming up, which, speaking of that, we do have an interview coming up on this upcoming Tuesday with Survivor Philippines star R.C. St. Amour, who was the first juror of that season. So you guys aren't going to want to miss out on that. We also have, of course, the Challenge Recap Show. We have the Big Brother 24 Recap Show that we just did last night. And, of course, we have Sports Whispers Weekly, which uh, we have every single Saturday night. We were off last week, obviously, for uh, for various reasons, but we are back this week. And let's get started. Uh, Lou, we have a lot that has happened over the past the past seven days or so, or actually no, the past Where do we fourteen begin? days. It's, I mean, there's uh, there's just a ton that we can get to. We have the trade deadline to talk about. We have yes. some more some more news in regards to Vince McMahon. Apparently it's damning news too that mm-hmm. maybe perhaps he could be seeing some jail time potentially, depending yeah. on on what decides to be done. We have NFL preseason about to get underway this upcoming week with training camps Actually, already we have. underway. Well, it already has, yeah, with the with the Hall of Fame game, but technically right. the first the first round of games don't really take place until I think Thursday night. Yes. Is when the is when the first round of games officially start. Yes. Uh we have an update on Deshaun Watson. We have, of course, uh, did, did we talk about before we went before we took uh, took a week break? Did we talk about the Matt Kachuk trade in the NHL? I don't think that too much. Maybe a little bit of it. With uh, it, it was Kachuk for Jonathan Huberdeau and a whole bunch of other a yes. whole bunch of other. Uh, well, I just in case we didn't, I want to go over that again because I am still dumbfounded by that deal. Right. And it, it really seems like Calgary absolutely policed the Florida Panthers in this deal, and it's all because Calgary didn't want to pay Matt Kachuk the money that he mm-hmm. wanted. Of course, he he ultimately ended up getting the money that he wanted from Florida. But we did have an official trade that saw – oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think I remember us talking about this because I remember mentioning how do you get 
a first or second line center to go along with one of the top defensemen on that mm. team for a top for a top winger. I remember talking about that. Yeah. And how just exactly how dumbfounded we were that the deal even went down. I still down. am. Yeah. But, you know, there was obviously Matt Kachuk got his deal, and Jonathan Huberdeau just recently signed his new contract, which is an eight-year extension with the Calgary Flames, which will start officially in the 2023-2024 season, and it will run through the 2030-2031 season with an average annual value of $10.5 million. I'll be an old man by then. Uh, I mean, he amassed 30 goals and 115 points last season with the Florida Panthers. So this is a massive extension and a massive, you know, investment that the Calgary Flames are putting into Huberdeau here. Now, I'm sure he'll probably live up to it, but it probably doesn't help that he doesn't have a player like Kachuk on his wing to help add to those stats. However, he's definitely well worth the money. I'll put it that way. He's probably the, he's probably the most stable centerman that they have right now on that Calgary Flames roster. Also, we have Taylor Yamamoto. He signed a two-year contract with the to remain with the Edmonton Oilers, an average annual value of three point one million, and this also avoids an arbitration hearing that both sides were headed towards. Uh, Yamamoto last year ac- accumulated twenty goals and forty-one points in eighty-one games during the 2021-2022 season. Now, there's also an update, Lou, on Kirill Kaprizov, the young star for the Minnesota Wild, who, if we remember correctly, was kind of trapped over in Russia. And we were wondering whether or not he would have to fulfill his duties as a Russian citizen and be be sent into the Russian military. However, according to multiple NHL sources, he is officially back in the United States. And actually right now, I believe he is back in Minnesota as they begin to get ramping up for uh, training camp, which I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure is probably going to start soon. When, when do NHL training camps usually begin? Um, about uh, mid-September. Mid-September. Yeah, I know. I know they have rookie development camp. I believe already underway. At least I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they already have the development camps well underway. Normally, that mm-hmm. takes place immediately following the draft. Uh, but. However, it it says here that his return to Minnesota will be five weeks ahead of what he originally intended following reports that he had allegedly allegedly purchased a fake military ID card back in 2017. 
However, according to Michael Russo of The Athletic, those allegations have been largely refuted, but his military exemption ended on June 30th. And it is currently unclear if he was able to exit Russia because the Wild got him his U.S. work visa or if his representatives were able to get him another military deferment in Russia. As he was originally denied entry into, United States, into the United States last month because of the ongoing issues that have been going on between the United States and Russia. Which, speaking of which, I want to talk about the news about the new political prisoner, we'll call her, Brittany Griner, who yes. was just sentenced. She was just sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison. Uh, obviously, anybody knows her. She plays for the Phoenix Mercury of the WNBA. Yes. However, in the offseason, she plays in Russia, and she got busted for, I think it was like 0.7 grams worth of... Uh, Something like that, yes. It was like 0.7 grams worth of, what was it, weed? Or what, 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 what exactly... What was it? Cannabis. Okay, so it was weed. So we call it pot, but okay. Yeah. Uh, let me bring in Alex here. Alex, welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how's it going, guys? Uh, it's going good. Uh, we're we're back after uh, after a week off, and uh, we have we have a lot of stuff to to uh, really discuss tonight. We we've been just uh, just about to talk about the Brittany Griner situation that. Oh yeah. Uh, of course she's of course she's a uh, political I call her a political prisoner right now out yeah. in Russia because sure. she's essentially being I mean let's put it this way she wouldn't be facing 9 years in prison in a United States prison for awful. I don't think it was even I don't think it was even a gram of weed. It was like 0.7 they said. <laughs> yeah, uh, she'd be uh walking with a a ticket if she was on a street corner and in our New York or Connecticut or wherever. So yeah, now it's, they're absolutely destroying her. Obviously, uh, our our uh, bond, our friendship with Russia is strained. So they're obviously making a little bit of an example, just kind of saying, "Hey, we can. We don't like some of the stuff you guys have been doing. So look at look at us. We can uh, we can throw the book at this this uh, female superstar athlete of yours. It's, it's very unfair." But you know what it, you know what it is terrible. You you, that? you know what it is though. It's a political ploy. It's a political yeah, ploy sure. by them to try and stop the United States from interfering in uh, in Ukraine to try and get them to pull Ukraine, out of Ukraine yeah. while correct. While also trying to get that arms dealer that the United States imprisoned for what was it fifteen years or twenty five years something like that twenty five twenty five yeah it's a hell of a trade off. I mean, what is this? If Biden's a GM, that's a heck of a uh, trade offer. Let's. She smoked a little bit of weed, so let's trade a uh, massive arms dealer. That's kind of a strange well, one-on-one trade proposal. Well, technically, it's for two oh, yeah, trade offers. It's not just it's not it's it's not just for Griner, but it's also for I think there's a former Marine that's been that's been in prison yes. over there. Oh wow! Yes. 
Yeah, I didn't mean yeah, to, I didn't mean to make light of it like uh like a like it's a fantasy trade, but yeah, it's pretty crazy uh uh just series of events going on. They're like offering up different prisoners. I, Russia, I guess, just does not want to give her up. So, like you said, no, it's just because just totally raking her over the coals with exactly. Ukraine and Putin's uh Putin's a diabolical maniac. So that's how it goes. Exactly. I guess I wouldn't uh I wouldn't try to smuggle over a little bit of weed next time I go to Russia. I'm not. I don't have any plans in the immediate future, but it's not a not good optics for their uh, their cores and for uh, Americans. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically it's, it's basically for leverage. It's for it's for leverage essentially over, yeah, uh, you know, o- over Ukraine. You could almost say, you know, Russia's trying so hard to to make it so that maybe the United States pulls out of Ukraine, or you know, like I said, a prisoner exchange, which. I'm not all mm-hmm. too, I, you know, I'm not all too confident that Russia will actually hold up their end of the bargain with that. Oh, they won't. They won't. Yeah, I mean, imagine if what if we you need like a live footage of someone getting released? Because what if we deliver the guy to their doorstep and then we're like, oh, where's Brittany? Well, we're not letting her go. Like, yeah. To, how do you negotiate? Would you, they both show up at a neutral site with both prisoners and they? Uh, on, on, they release them and then they they both just walk away. I mean, it's gotta be I kind of tough to even so. coordinate something like this. Because I wouldn't yeah. obviously no one really trusts Russia. They could say, oh yeah, Brittany's on the way home. Just uh, release that guy and then you know Brittany's. I don't know. I couldn't couldn't trust those guys. So I don't know how I mean, they, how you know Russia, get home. Russia, for all we know, Russia could could basically hold her prisoner until her sentence is up, which effectively would end her basketball career. Can you imagine that? Because, and that's what they, I mean, look at the timing. Yeah. What, I think she's about 30, 31 guys. So yeah, it'd be like 40 years old. So they, they know exactly what they're doing with the sentencing. Yeah. Basically ending her career. She, yeah, she's 31. She's going to be 32 in October. Yeah. So they said, wow, okay, her, let's, let's look at these U.S. athletes. I think if we can get her in here until 40, then we just basically wrecked her professional career. So they're very, uh, Calculating, they do things by design. They have a design in mind. Starts with uh, KGB Putin. I mean, he's a pretty evil person, but they're they're very shrewd and cunning. They know what when they give a sentence, they know exactly what, how many years and why. And just look at her career; she'll be done by forty. Yeah, she better be done already. You know, she even I, – I think she's even lucky that she got nine years because of the fact that she actually pled guilty to the charges probably for a lesser sentence. Who knows what Russia was going to give her to even begin with. Yeah. Wow. I know, because like, Thailand I, – I, I, I honestly think that she, that she got it because she pled guilty. Yeah, you, I guess the, the story goes – yeah, with with small stuff like that, you just plead. I guess you typically would plead non-guilty. Thankfully, I'm not too uh, yeah. privy of like, different laws. I'm not, I'm not in court that often, but I've always been told, get an attorney and just plead not guilty, and then they'll sort it out. But if you plead yeah, guilty, and it also says, they can just destroy yeah. it. They can just throw the book at you. The second you plead guilty, they can do the max sentence on you. Right. Uh, it also says here that the Russians demanded the inclusion of convicted assassin Vadim Krasikov, who is serving a life oh, term. Uh, he's serving a life term for for an assassination over in Germany, and the U.S. is unwilling to include him in the negotiations. So it looks like perhaps 
things are at a stalemate right now for the most part. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I know that I know the United States is trying to do all they can to bring Brittany, you know, safe and sound back to back into the United States. But I would not be surprised at all if they basically just hold her prisoner until until her, uh, you know, her term is up, basically. It's amazing. Yeah. They're literally, uh, they're just demanding this crazy ransom. And they gave her the absolute, I think probably the max. I don't know what their different uh, laws are for marijuana and stuff like that. But it's obviously not a big time. She wasn't caught with five kilos. So it's like there's different different levels of different crimes. But to get nine years for, mm-hmm. I just jumped on when you and Louie were talking about it. I think it's like less than a gram. Yeah, it must have been bigger, yes. tougher, but it's really not, uh, you know, she wasn't smuggling nuclear weapons or heroin. So for her to get nine yeah, years, exactly. pretty, uh, pretty pre- preposterous, but it doesn't surprise me with Russia. Like you said, Steve, like you said, with, with Ukraine expected. and all that stuff. Yeah, with the Ukraine, it's just the worst possible time and the worst place you can get arrested in the world. Right. <laughs> and that's only because... Yeah. That's only because she pled guilty is why she got that lenient of a sentence. And oh, I, I, wow. It's hard to call that lenient. It's really, it's really odd to call that lenient because – Define lenient. I mean, it's nine years, so how is that lenient? But when you think about it, Russia well, could have easily given her 15. Yeah. It's you know, it's it's kind of yeah, these other countries, a lot of these other countries, they don't mess around with tourists. Well, uh, you can lock, you guys, I'm sure we've seen Locked Up Abroad. That's a heck of a show. Where, but, again, that's people that are really being naive, and they're not professional athletes. They're literally, you know, they meet some guy in yeah. a discotheque in, like, Germany and yeah. uh, fall in love after doing a bunch of cocaine and think, think uh, the world's perfect, and then they're, they're going to get 100000 cash if they just bring back this mystery suitcase tomorrow. And then they get busted, and they get, like, 40 years in some prison. I mean, mm-hmm. this is literally a professional athlete carrying around almost like carrying around a beer can i mean it was less than a gram of weed it's personal yeah. use it's just crazy right. nine years that's it's crazy and not just not just that but they also find her a million rubles which translates out to sixteen thousand three hundred and one dollars in in united states currency that's the extra kick in the kick in the pants the extra cherry on top yeah. yeah, she's got money, but yeah, she she doesn't have time to waste. Just imagine being over there. No one else, probably no other American prisoners, and she's like six seven. Not that that matters, but she's not really comfortable in a cell. No one is. But yeah, exactly. Her, her professional career and all of her fans and friends are almost a million miles away. She's stuck in Russia. That's absolutely nightmare. Well, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say she's not known in Russia because she has sure. been playing for Russia. She has been playing for Russia in the off season. I so didn't, oh, I didn't realize that part. I thought she was like uh, I thought she was like part of a tour or something. I didn't I didn't know she was actually working in Russia part time. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. She goes over there every single off season uh, when the WNBA has their off season. She plays. Uh, for a team over in Russia. I forget exactly yeah. which. Uh, let's see. It was UM, oh wait, UMMC Ekaterinburg, I think, is what it's, what it's uh, named. Is she still like, a, is she like uh, one of the top two or three players in WNBA still? I mean, just, I don't I just really know that. Based off of, 
just go, just going based off of last year's stats, she had 20 points per game in 30 games. So, wow, not bad. I would say she's probably one of the top. Uh, she uh, yeah. she nearly averaged a double double per game. Wow, I know she's massive. Yeah, yeah, that's a good rip for uh, college or for girls because obviously the stats are a little bit toned down. You'll see a score like seventy to sixty, so that means like she'd have, she'd be averaging like thirty points a game easy if if it was like a, you know, like forty eight yeah. minutes like a man's game. So she's and making a huge she played, impact. She, and plus, she played she played alongside Diana Tarazi on the Phoenix Mercury. So oh, you know nice. they were like a they were like a one two combination, and plus Brianna Turner as well. Wow. Yeah, well, I like Diana. So, yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. I don't think there's really any way to get her back right now. They're just going to hold her up for ransom and too many arms dealers. And obviously, like you said, Steve, with the Ukraine thing, yeah, you know, it's the worst I mean, possible that's, time. That's pretty much that's pretty much where we are right now. To where she's essentially going to be held prisoner until uh, either the U.S. caves or actually, you know, even if the Ukraine thing gets solved, she'll probably still be held prisoner. Period. Can you imagine that? And then what, you know, if, like, what if we cave? We're li- literally giving up like two or three like assassins and terrorists for one for one woman. I, I'm not even saying yeah. male or female. Like it's an uneven whatever and for, swap. And for the marine, <laughs> the marine would be involved. The the marine would be included too. Yeah, it's just an awful situation. Even if we cave, we're going to look like total idiots for allowing like three or four highly dangerous people to leave for a basketball star. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just uh. Brittany's screwed, or we're screwed, or U.S. is screwed. That's that's the bottom line. She's probably going to rot there yeah. for nine years. She's probably going to sit there for nine years. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It it's very unfortunate, especially uh, considering the fact that it, it's basically a dick measuring contest now at this point. Oh yeah. You know, it's you don't want to get into that. You don't want to get into that with uh, Putin. Yeah. With Putin, because he won't. He will yeah, not waver. Exactly. He will not back down. This is his chance to exactly. really f with the U.S. So he's not gonna he's not gonna waver at all. Yeah. No. Now we do have Speaking an update. Uh, I I teased earlier that we had an update in regards to Vince McMahon, uh, Vince McMahon. As we all know, Vince oh, yeah. McMahon left the WWE officially because of the hush money payments. And by the way, the stock when Triple H was officially under control, the stocks actually rose as high as I think seventy four dollars. Which was wow. about a five to six dollar raise uh, compared to Vince's last day on the job. Uh, however, stocks have come down since uh, since then. They're ranging around sixty nine, seventy, somewhere like that. Uh, however, so he's been under investigation for God knows how many months now. And now the WWE just recently filed their 8K, which is uh, has to do with like quarterly, uh, you know, the quarterly findings and whatnot uh, that companies have to release. And they have noted that his hush money expenses have now been noted and will be paid by Vince personally. <laughs> They had to go back into very into the last couple of years. They had to go back the, into the last couple of years of expenses 
and note down Vince's extra expenses because they were not noted down as company uh, as company money. This basically confirms that wow. he used company money because if he was using his own personal money, why would they have to go back into the books? Yeah. That's crazy. It wouldn't it wouldn't make sense why they would have why they would have to go back into the books and no and and you know, update the uh, records if he used his own money. So this basically confirms that the 14.6 million dollars that have been revealed so far have were were from company records or they were part of company expenses I should say. And the, I mean, they released this whole statement and everything, uh, saying that they will be, you know, the expenses, the unrecorded expenses, will be paid by Vince uh, personally. Yada yada yada. This, however, is against the law. Using company expenses for extracurricular stuff like what Vince was doing with with the non-disclosure agreements and everything and settlements that had nothing to do with the company. He could face potential jail time because of this. According to according to what I've uh, to what I've looked up. Uh, it's you know, it's no wonder why he stepped down as CEO of the company. Because, yeah. you know, it's potential. This is this has the potential to be tangled up for years. You know, and whether it's court cases or or whatever whatever uh, ends up uh, ends up coming out from this, you know, this could potentially be going on for the next couple of years. You know, yeah, well. They get excited to get all the paper trail. They have to produce all these different documents. And then there's going to be more and more allegations and numbers. Tip of the iceberg. You know, this could, this could be well into Vince's retirement. Yes. Yeah. But uh, since, the, since then, Triple H, his son-in-law, uh, married to Stephanie McMahon, of course, uh, he has officially taken over as head of WWE creative. So everything that you see going on on the TV screen, on the WWE events, that is going to be straight from his son-in-law. Uh, as Vince was originally the head of WWE creative. And he so not has much, not much is really, change. They're, they're, keeping it, they're keeping it in the family. Not much in the grand scheme of things is really going to change. Well, so you think. Right. I don't know. Change further. Vince, they're probably on conference calls. I'm sure Vince is still calling some shots behind the scenes. I mean, is, is no. son in law taking over? I wouldn't be surprised by that. No. No, no he's, he is 100% gone. I mean, maybe perhaps, <laughs> maybe, per, oh. maybe perhaps he has some, maybe perhaps he has some conversations with, with uh, his son in law and whatnot. But he is not allowed on any conference calls. I believe they also said that he was gone from the board of directors as well. 
Now, that's extreme. So basically the only thing that is left of him is that he's a, he's a majority shareholder of the company. That's pretty much my my understanding of it is is that he's basically effectively gone from the company and the only thing he has left is that he's a majority shareholder. And obviously, you know, he still had he still had stuff that was written up for the next paper through the next pay per view and everything. But once that next pay per view is over, everything that you see on TV is going to come straight from his son in law. And he's already, wow. you know, worked very quickly. He re-signed, He's already re signed a couple of people that Vince had let go due to quote unquote budget cuts during the pandemic also known as yeah sorry i i need to let you guys go i need to i need to use your salaries for the hush money so mm-hmm. yeah it's not not the best look man no no <laughs> but they sorry. already it's they so already resigned so the uh... go ahead no i was just simply saying it's so bad it, it's so like it's just so epically bad that I was I was laughing. It's just like tragic. I mean, yeah, it's so he's so guilty of many things. He's he's totally screwed. Yeah, exactly. And you know he's a trip. Uh, uh, what's it called? Paul Levesque, also known as Triple H. He's already acted fast on this. He immediately re-signed Dakota Kai, who was one of NXT's top uh, top young women. Uh, in terms of stars, who Vince apparently saw nothing in her and decided to release her as part of a budget cut. He then re-signed uh, Killer Cross along with his wife, Scarlett. Uh, they actually re-debuted last night on WWE TV. And basically, Paul is taking all of these stars and from the sounds of it, it sounds like he's not done yet. He is set on hiring back a few more people. Uh, he's taken these stars that Vince saw nothing in and is giving them their time to shine on, or their, uh, you know, their chance mm-hmm. to shine on the main roster. And, my understanding is, I mean, first, first off, the biggest change that's already been made is that they've gone from TVPG to TV14, which is as close as you can get to what the Attitude Era was back in, back in the day uh, in terms of rating. So wow. he has already taken a whole bunch of policies that Vince installed and has completely erased them. Like Vince, Vince once said, you know, you can't, uh, you can't use the term wrestler or wrestling, or you can't call championships uh, belts. It's like these stupid little things that uh, that Vince said. Oh, it's, you know, it water, you know, it makes the product uh, 
it makes the product look bad, even though the stuff that he was allowing people to say uh, makes the product look even worse. It, it pretty much basically dumbs down the product. And Triple H said, yeah, no, uh, all, of the, all of these rules, yeah, they are basically out the window. Well, yeah. he's just trying so, to keep his hands in the pot. He's trying to, uh, you know, he's an egomaniac, so he still wants to have control, even though he's totally out of the picture. Yeah. Well, I can tell you right now, uh, from the looks of it, it looks like his son-in-law isn't having any of it. So, no. okay. so go sit in a corner and cry because he's, he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. It was. Now, obviously, obviously, his current planned storylines and whatnot will still go through until the next pay-per-view. But once that next pay-per-view is over, then the son-in-law officially begins his uh, his plans. So, but you know, my understanding from not just fans, but also. Uh, also different companies around is that uh, the reception has been very positive since Vince stepped down. So we could potentially be seeing, obviously, you know, uh, fans have been flocking to AEW all these uh, weeks ever, or all these months ever since AEW debuted, which by the way, they might be in trouble with the uh, Discovery, uh, the Discovery Warner merger uh, that's going on, apparently, oh, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if uh, if you guys, if you guys have heard it all, uh, you know, Discovery Warner, they've already canceled so many things, like, uh, you know, they're in charge of uh, the DC movies, you know, like Batman and stuff like that. They yep. already. Canceled. They canceled a ninety million dollar film that has already been that has already been completed in Batgirl. Oh, so, wow. you know they're they're not even going to release films that are that are completed. So right. with with that you know with that being said, they're looking at AEW as potentially you know they may end up dropping. AEW completely, so AEW may need to find a new home, but here's WWE, you know, that is now going to look more attractive because they no longer have the old man running the company and have somebody, they have somebody who has actually been in the wrestling ring, actually, you know, has, he, you know, he's been, he, he was a wrestler for God knows how many years. Yeah, you know, it, it, right now the company looks more attractive to the outside compared to uh, Vince's final years in in control. Wow! But you know, it it, it just go it goes to show that uh, he should have retired probably a couple of years ago. Yeah. But anyways, uh, we have the MLB trade deadline to get to as, well, let's just say that there were quite a, uh, quite a few deals that went down. Obviously, the biggest one yeah. of the bunch 
was the Padres acquiring Juan Soto. And as if that wasn't enough, they also took Josh Bell from the Washington Nationals in exchange for former New York Yankee Luke Voigt, as well as prospects. Uh, well, actually, no, C.J. Abrams. Is he a prospect? Yeah, I think he's a prospect. Uh, as well as prospects C.J. Really Abrams. Uh, Shortstop. He's a very fast. Uh, Abrams is a really good prospect. Yeah. But not, not only did they get Abrams, they got the number one ranked prospect on the Padres, Robert Hassel III. They got James Wood, who was the number three prospect. They got Mackenzie they, Gore, uh, and they got Jarlin Susana, who's the number 14 prospect. And Mackenzie Gore was like a much uh, much hyped prospect for a couple of years, and he's, he's up now, but he was considered bigger than the other guys like a year ago. So yeah, it's five, right. five very good, five very good prospects. So they got yeah. a lot. They got he a lot. They, they would have, the Soto deal would have gutted, would have absolutely pillaged the Mets or the Yankees farm system. That's why the Mets didn't get them. Yeah, and you know, you know what's funny though is that uh, Eric Hosmer was supposed to be a part of this deal. However, he yeah. refused to waive his no trade clause, and instead he ended up going to Boston in exchange for. Uh, uh, Jay Groom, who was the closer for Double A Portland, and he's a pretty, uh, pretty good arm, though. You're the Sox fan, isn't he? Pretty uh, well regarded, pretty highly yeah. regarded. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Let me let me put it let me put it this way: uh, the Red Sox, and we'll get to the Red Sox in a minute because I have a bone to pick about a certain trade that was made, even though I like the return. Um, you know. Hosmer is a definite upgrade over Bobby Dalbeck or Franchi Cordero. Thank fuck he is down, but he's back down in AAA now because he cannot defend. He, he cannot play defense worth a shit. So thank God uh, they sent Dalbeck down to make room for Eric Hosmer on the roster. And Hosmer, you know, he hit a ball so so far in the first game against Kansas City. In any other, in in most other ballparks, it would have been a homer. But because Kansas City's center field is so far back, it was it ended up being an out. So, I mean, you know, Hosmer is definitely an upgrade at first base. Uh, but you know, still, this is a pretty hefty uh, return for the Nationals know, in this deal. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, like I said, though, the, the the Padres, I didn't really see them coming, but I play a lot of fantasy baseball. The only reason I'm mentioning that is a couple of the leagues I'm in are dynasty, so, I, you know, I'm, like, studying uh, farm systems a lot. That's one sport. I mean, I know a ton about, like, yeah. the young guy. As we all know, Major League Baseball, you probably got to have the most people in, on each in each franchise. Or what, that and hockey, right? Um, with minor leagues and stuff. So I, I knew, I mean, the Padres have long – probably had the best system, the deepest system of, like, real, like, you know, it's a dangerous phrase, but can't miss prospects. I mean, Hassel, Abrams, and Gore are already showing that they're, like, they could be stars. Abrams was coming back down and forth because he's been injured. I think he's only, like, 20 years old, but he's, like, a jazz chisel. He's, like, a super uh, five-tool athlete who plays shortstop and second. And then Gore is an awesome young left-hander who's been injured, but he was – 
maybe considered the best pitcher in the minors like two years ago. And then this guy Hassel, who you mentioned, is a real, real stud uh, outfielder who has not played in the majors yet, but he's apparently like the maybe the best of of the group. So I don't know the the Padres. I didn't see coming, but I, I should have seen coming because they had all along yeah. they had the they had the uh, or the, the Orioles. They they had they had as many prospects as uh, the Nationals wanted. Yeah, Orioles could have too, but they're still strapped with money. The, the Padres, as you know, with Tatis and these guys, yeah, Machado, but they're, they're, but they're, not, they're throwing around. The Padres are, are flush with money. The Orioles, they, they wouldn't pay for Soto. Right. But, but, you, but they're surprising this year. Oh, absolutely. No, I love the Orioles. I'm just saying, honestly, unfortunately, they're not, uh, they're not, they're not spending a lot of money. They just traded a couple of veterans, uh, and they're in the wild card hunt. I mean, the Orioles, their fans yeah. are pissed, but yeah. Back to the Padres, um, they were kind of the team that could afford to give up a lot of those players, and they have the, the blank uh, checkbook. So, out of nowhere, they swooped right in. I thought the Cardinals might have gotten them, but again, they don't have the. I don't think they have the prospects. The Padres had the well, most prospects, I think, in the, in the whole in the whole league. Well, my understanding my understanding of it is the Cardinals were unwilling to give up their top prospect, and Jordan that's Walker. what was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that that's what was holding uh things up was they were yeah, unwilling to give up uh, yeah. Dylan Carlson. Oh, Carlson, yeah, and I heard Walker too. Walker's their their twenty year old prospect. He's in like double A. Um Yeah, Carlson, I I don't know. I was reading some Cardinals like message boards and Facebook and whatnot and they were they were pretty uh pretty frustrated. I mean Carlson's like this can't miss guy who's now late, getting late in his second year as a pro, and he's hit like he's averaging like 250 with 15 home runs in two years. It's like, okay, uh, I think I think I'd I'd move you for uh, Juan Soto, but so obviously it would be a package including Carlson. But um, mm-hmm. the Cardinals, the Cardinals fans that I that I just listened to speak were really pissed because Carlson really hasn't done a lot, and when you have a chance to get a Juan Soto, you gotta you gotta give up a lot to get something like that. So, right. I mean, the Cardinals. You know what? Cardinals, they have Arenado. They have uh, Goldschmidt. I mean, the Cardinals are a really good offensive team. If they wanted to get Soto, just give up a couple of young guys. I don't know. Go for it. You know what, though? I'm wondering. I, I'm wondering if this is, you know, just being the typical San Diego Padres where they unload all their prospects to try and make a deep run in the playoffs only to either a completely miss the playoffs or B get eliminated in the first round. Like what happened when I, they, when they uh, gave up everybody to acquire Manny Machado. Yeah, exactly. I could see it coming again. They're kind of like free wheeling. Like you said, it's always dangerous. They're one of those teams. They're like materialistic. They just, they don't really, the first chance they have, they, they unload their farm system. For the big name, so I think it's more the owner is in love with uh, getting the biggest names and being like the coolest kid on the block, uh, and he spends yeah. a lot of money. So it's like the, it's like the Angels owner back in the day, except he never got a pitcher. I mean, the Padres, the right. Padres have arms up. They have, they have Darvish, they have uh, Manaya, they have a they have some other guys I'm not thinking of, but they have decent starters, and they now they have probably the best lineup in the game. We'll see. We'll see if Tatis comes back healthy. I don't know. It's risky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lou, what are your thoughts? What are your what are your thoughts on the on this trade, Lou? Is this uh you know, is, is this too much of a risk for San Diego or do you think they have a realistic shot of maybe t- of maybe going all the way this year? 
All the way, no, but they do have a chance to make a wild card. So, um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say, you know, it's a, to, it's a total loss. But as far as me going all the way to the World Series, uh, no. The Dodgers have something to say about that, so I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. So, and plus, they didn't sign him to an extension yet. So exactly, I, I think he I think he's under contract for what one two more years I think after this year, or something yes. something around that line. Yes, so, this year or next year, the twenty twenty okay. uh, so, summer of twenty four. He's a free agent. Oh, okay. So you know, at the that. most they have him. At the most they have him for maybe two more years. So. I mean, they do have time. They do have time to, uh, you know, to give him an extension. But this could be a a very big risk for San Diego, especially if any of these prospects turn out to be anything. That's true. Also, I mean, he he just got into San Diego, California. It's not like he arrived in uh, Minnesota. So he might be blown away. He might fall in love with the beaches or – the nice weather out there. So they, they typically have a good track of they can they can keep people around. People like when people visit San Diego or go to San Diego, they like it. So, but like you said, there's a risk. I mean, his brother I think signed internationally with the Mets. Everyone's saying he wanted to go to New York. Maybe he wants to go to the Yankees. And once you know how it is, once these big athletes want to go somewhere, it doesn't really matter. Right. I mean, Washington Washington yeah. offered him almost five hundred million dollars, and he said nope. They so turned it like down. Said, Steve, what a dick. Who's to, who's to say, guys? Who's to say? Maybe maybe next summer, he, with a smile on his face, he goes, you know, it's been fun here, but I still want to go to New York. Still leave. It's a, it's a huge risk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could he could definitely. It, it is a huge risk, and he could end up. Uh, he could end up staying. He could end up going. I mean, he's definitely worth the amount of prospects given up, but my only thing is, you know, if I'm San Diego, I'm looking at trying to extend him as soon as possible. Of course. Because of course. I, you know, I don't want, I, if, if I'm San Diego, I don't want to be where the Red Sox are right now with like Rafael Devers and Xander Bogart, yeah. you know, not knowing whether or not they're going to sign an extension and everything. You know, I would want to. I would want to probably get this nailed down as as quickly as I possibly could, especially with a talent like Soto. Absolutely. I don't know. Maybe they had a promise in place, but yeah, like you said, they haven't done anything. I know. I know he just arrived, but every day that goes by, I mean, if I'm part of the Padres, I'm worried. I'm trying to sign him yesterday, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. But he does have a 249 batting average, 21 homers, 46 RBIs. I mean, imagine that lineup with him, Fernando Tati, Manny Machado, Machado. Josh, Bell. Josh yeah. Bell now. Jake, I mean, Jake, Jake my God. Yeah. better Jeff McNeil. He's like a fringe all-star. I mean, my God. You know, as if... Yeah. And I and here I thought here I thought that the Dodgers were going to potentially get Soto because let's face it they get everybody so I was thinking yeah. you know maybe the Dodgers would get him but now that I'm looking at this Padres lineup oh boy I mean yeah the yeah 
Oh, you they're, know, going, they're going for the Dodgers. What are the Dodgers? They're they're closing in on the Dodgers, right? Uh, and that, for that league division, aren't they close? Mm, or I not? think so. I think. No. Well, no, actually, no. Not really. Are, like really. are they like? Are they like five out or like ten out? I think they're ten out. Eleven. Eleven. Uh, yeah, you know, it's no, so, yeah. no, it's them. I it's mean, not as close no, as it once was. For them, it's simple. Just get in. Just get in, and then anything could happen. Just get in. Oh, actually, actually, yeah. no. It's more. It's thirteen and a half. Thirteen. Out. They're just, they're just, they're just going for the wild card, which is fine. As long as you get in, you get in. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, that's the big thing. You get as long as you get in, that's pretty much all that matters. Uh, but you know, just still though, looking at that, looking at that lineup, and they also have Jerickson Profar too, who at at one point was pretty good for Texas. Yep, and uh, let me see. They also got Brandon Drury as well. They yeah, got they Brandon Drury, Drury yeah. from uh, I believe he was with Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, with the with the Reds. Yep. Yeah. So, I, I, there. This pretty much the the Padres dealings at the deadline this year pretty much tell me that they're essentially all in on this season. And Absolutely. that they really think they really think they can make a run uh, for for this season, but they still have to. You know, uh, when it's all said and done, they still have to get the, they have to get through the Dodgers still. So you know, it's it's still kind of a questionable decision them to go they must really feel like this is going to be a difference maker for them to yeah. uh for them to put a put put these many uh these many prospects on the table also they might say something i know tatis just came back in the minor leagues but i don't know they're kind of loading up again maybe there's some de- uh, uncertainty about tatis long-term health i don't know mm. maybe this guy's the new uh face of san diego and we don't know yet Possibly. Yes, we'll see. It could be. It could be. Machado, Machado's, Machado's really turned it back around. He's he's back to being a pretty much a superstar. He had a couple of years where he kind you of know, stopped. Remember uh, with the Dodgers, he was an embarrassment. And you know, the, uh, we're talking like Soto is the only guy they got. They also got Josh Hader from the Milwaukee Brewers in a deal which I, I mean, let me just put it this way. I think the Padres right. got the better end of this deal with the, the Brewers getting Taylor Rogers, Robert Gasser, Asturi Ruiz, and Denelson Lamet from the Padres in exchange for Josh Hader. And the Brewers have already been worse with, uh, ever oh, yeah. since well, trading that's away another, Hader. That's, that's a team just like the Orioles, like Lou said before, they're looking great, and they traded their closer and someone else. So a couple teams like the Brewers and the Orioles are trying to – they have uh, dual identities. They're trying to go for it, and they're strapped. So they're, 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 they're selling off big-ticket guys while they're making a push for the playoffs. It's pretty interesting. But the Brewers, I'll say one thing out of that list of people that you named as far as the return, the haul for uh, Josh Hader. That guy, Ruiz, is apparently one of the best uh, minor league hitters. And the Brewers need offense. So they, they might have gotten, like, their middle infielder of the future. And I think Hader's yeah. got a oh, lot of man. controversy. Oh, and, and the Brewers, 
the Brewers' strength of their team right now, even without Hader, apparently they have three or four really good uh, bullpen guys that they can slide in as a closer. That's, that's yeah. kind of the, the, the rationale that I heard about of why M- Milwaukee did that. Hader, I think, was also going to leave. or he, He's been getting into some different controversies. He's kind of worn out his welcome in Milwaukee. So at least they got a really good uh, young hitter back in the guy Ruiz. But, hey, mm-hmm. well, it's I'll still try- interesting when you see an all-star, when you see a, when you see a wild-card team trade an all-star in the middle of a race. It's pretty interesting. Exactly. And, you know, I'll tell you right now, uh, Milwaukee, they've already – They've already cost themselves the division lead. St. Louis has now climbed back uh, into a tie with Milwaukee wow. for That's the NL Central. So uh, Milwaukee, wow. they went on a losing streak. They they just won. I think it was either today or yesterday. Uh, no, they're actually playing right now. So they won yesterday, but St. Louis has won their last five games. So – and Milwaukee went on a losing streak because they didn't have Josh Hader in the bullpen. But what's the uh, speaking of the Cardinals? What's for uh, what's Cardinals Yankees? I was on the road before. What's the, is there a score on the Cardinals Yankees yet tonight? One nothing. Uh, okay. One yeah, one zip. I'm just sitting down now. Yeah, and I saw the um, yeah, and of course the, the former Yankee. They just traded him. Montgomery's pitching for the Cardinals. Yeah. Shutting out and actually, uh, actually, like this it. just went final. Uh, this just went final. The Royals beat the Boston Red Sox five to four, uh, with <laughs> Garrett Whitlock taking the loss. Um, like I said, I have a bone to pick with Boston, and in particular, Heim Bloom, who is still trying to convince people that he's uh, that he's an actual general manager, even though. <laughs> Even though he's even not. though he's been he's been dumpster diving for ever since he came into Boston, he's been I dumpster he was, diving. I thought, he, I thought he owned a pawn shop. I was mistaken. Well, you know, you might not be that far off, honestly. Uh, <laughs> ah. But uh, and you know we'll get to the Yankees acquisitions because the Yankees acquisitions uh, they're they're definitely going all in. I'll put it this way with the with the trades that were made at the deadline. If the Yankees don't win the World Series, I will I will be very surprised with the acquisitions that they got. Well, look, I mean, um, I'm looking at the stats right now. The Yankees are getting two hit by their uh, the guy they just traded to St. Louis, Jordan Montgomery. That's pretty crazy. Well, I mean. It's, uh, you know, think about it. He has the he has the scouting report. And you he know, was he, knows he wanted to, what he wanted he wanted to stay in New York. He was really upset that they traded him. Yeah, so it was uh uh what's his name? Formerly of the uh uh James and Tyon. James and Tyon was very disappointed as well that he got that oh, yeah. uh Montgomery got dealt. Mm. Yep. But there were a few trades from the Boston Red Sox that I did not get. I mean, I, I kind of like this one, uh, Tommy Pham from the Reds for a player yeah. to be named later, which is probably going to be a nobody. Uh, Pham is now our new leadoff hitter, which I'm fine with. You know, he so far he's been playing good since they acquired him. I have no problem with that. Then we start with Houston. As the Red Sox, for some reason, I like the – don't get me wrong. I like the return. I absolutely like the return that we got from Houston. Uh, 
the Red Sox traded catcher Christian Vasquez, who, by the way, should have been an all-star this year, but because of the catching talent around, uh, you know, in the American League, it's hard to to name him as a uh, as an alternate catcher when they have other other options to go with. He should have he's he he had been playing at an all star level for for Boston this year. Uh, he goes to the Astros for infielder slash outfielder and Manuel Valdez, who has been absolutely tearing up Worcester in AAA since he debuted for the Worcester, uh, for the Worcester Red Sox, uh, as well as outfielder Willier Abreu, who is now with AA Portland. And it, it makes sense for Houston because they've been getting very little out of their catchers with both catcher with all the catchers on their roster hitting a combined 164 this year with 11 homers and hell Vasquez has had been batting 282 with eight homers for Boston and according to the uh, Baseball America. The Astros traded away their number 12 prospect in Valdez, and I think their number 22. I think that's where I think Abreu was up to number 22. I think. Uh, So, technically, the Red Sox did get a bit of a haul for Vasquez. Here's the problem that I have, though, because Boston then immediately went and acquired Reese McGuire, who anybody doesn't know him. Uh, he's known for being the serial, uh, the serial uh, masturbator up in Toronto <laughs> when he got arrested for yeah. uh, he got arrested for public masturbation in his truck. Uh, he was he was, uh, he was uh, they got him playing around again. Uh. Yeah, uh, they acquired him and a player to be named later from the White Sox in exchange for Jake Diekman. Yeah, as if as if the Red Sox had plenty of pitching. Yeah, they don't need a, they don't need any upgrades to the bullpen. We can we can spare a couple of bullpen pieces, even though our bullpen's one of the worst in the league. Uh, <laughs> And not to mention McGuire has nowhere near the amount of production that Vasquez gave. McGuire was hitting, I mean, he's a career 241 hitter with nine career homers over 194 games. But he's also under team control until 2026. So I guess that's what really popped out for for uh, the fake general manager, Heim Bloom here. Uh, and Jake Diekman, I mean, he did have a horrible ERA, a 4.23 ERA with 51 strikeouts, but still, their bullpen got worse, and we got worse at catcher. Then they acquired Eric Hosmer from the Padres, like I said. So ultimately, they said the Red Sox essentially became buyers. So here's my question. If you're going to be buyers and you're going to want to try and put this facade towards your fans like you want to contend, why the fuck would you trade your starting catcher? Yeah, why would you want to do something like that? That hurts hurts the entire staff. Exactly. Makes absolutely not. Yeah. The most important, you can't pitch, you can't trade your starting catcher in a pennant race if you have any aspirations still. Ridiculous. 
such a random move. And you had Hosmer. Hosmer's, Hosmer's not nearly sorry. Hosmer's not nearly as good as Josh Bell. The Padres just added three big bats. They add like a Hosmer's like a six or seven hitter in a lineup now. That's not that's not an upgrade for much of any. Oh, I know Frenchy Cordero. Uh, no. And Dahlbeck can't hit a beach ball, so I know they're. They have a black hole at first. Now they have like a C minus at first. Whoop de do. Yeah. Eric Hosmer. I mean, it's like twenty. Plus they're getting money and upgrade. Hosmer makes like Hosmer makes like twenty five million a year. So what the hell? That makes no sense for the 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 cost cutting Red Sox to do that. That makes no sense actually. But at the same time, at the same time though, it is kind of an upgrade though. So. Yeah. Right. But. yeah, I think Hosmer makes almost as much money as Devers and uh it's like are you getting cheaper or younger? But you, you can't sign your big name guys, but you just traded your catcher. So are you going for it, but you still don't have pitching? They're they're like running they're like running in circles. I don't know what I don't know what they're doing. And another thing too, a big reason why they got Hosmer in the first place was because uh San Diego agreed to pay him pretty much the entirety oh, of his okay. contract. All Boston all Boston is on the hook for is the veteran minimum for the remaining oh, okay. years of his deal. Okay. He, no, he's solid. He's solid. I don't know. It's just I, I would think if they were going to start buying people, it would have been a bigger, bigger bat. But it's well, I'm pretty sure they did try. Yes. But, I mean, they just Kansas. lost to Kansas City. You know, they, they yeah. just lost to Kansas City. It's they're they're back under 500 again. Uh, Baltimore, meanwhile, is now a game out of the wild card. Yep. You know, there's it doesn't seem like Boston is really going to even catch up to anybody. This was the time so, to sell. They should have sold Ivaldi. They should have sold Martinez. They should have sold uh, hell. Uh, they should have sold Schreiber. Who Schre- I, I'm, I'm telling you, Schreiber in their bullpen, he he sucked before this year. He no sucked high. before no this high. year. No high. Exactly. That's a, if I was a general manager, I mean, yeah, you know, I would be giving up on the season, but that's what I'd be doing. I'd be selling high because yeah. there's no shot in hell that he's gonna that he's gonna maintain that stat line for the years to come. No. No. They really, they didn't, they made a couple questionable moves. I didn't really see one that I liked. Uh, Hosmer's not bad now that you describe exactly the parameters of the deal. But, uh, yeah, it's like they kind of dipped yeah, their toes in the water. And, they, and then they got cannonballed. They, they fell into the deep end. They gave up. So I, don't, I really don't know which right. direction they're going in. I really don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they're paying... They're paying less than they're paying less than a million per year for the remainder of his deal, essentially. Okay. And he's a good defense. So, he's a good lefty hitting first baseman. I like the move. I just they should have yeah, done other me, moves it, too. Right. To me, it basically says that the Red Sox are waiting until Tristan Casas gets called up until he's ready for the majors. Because yeah. Casas is supposed to be the next – he's supposed to be the next version of David Ortiz, except a David Ortiz that can actually field. Yeah. Yeah, they like him a lot. He's been striking out a ton, though, in Pawtucket, from what I've read. But yeah. he's got a ton of power. I mean, don't, don't forget, though, he's also coming off of rehab, too. So, that's true. 
No, I just, I mean, no, Cassis, I, I, I like the guy a lot. I just, Thalbeck was awful. Like, all year, you're the, you're the Red Sox fan. The first base situation was just dreadful. Franchi Cordero. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. like a seventh outfielder on the team. And then, so then they have him playing starting first base in Fenway Park. What the hell is Franchi going on there? Cordero. Franchi Cordero is one of those players that's too good for AAA, but not good enough to be in the bigs. Exactly. Yeah. He's basically like that the de- the uh, definition of a fringe player. He's like a he's like a quadruple A player, not ready for the bigs or not good enough for the bigs, but yet he's yeah. too good to be a triple A player. Yeah, exactly. Lou, Lou, what do you think of them? Like, Steve, I got to jump off for probably like a half hour, but I'll come back on as soon as I can. All right. Okay. I got to finish up something for my other job. I'll be back in about a half hour. But uh, yeah. Now, Lou, what what are your thoughts on this whole on this whole situation with Boston? Because it it just seems like you know sure. if you're a t- if you're where Boston is right now at fifty four and fifty five, you're dead last in the AL East. Uh, you're now four games back in the wild card. They've basically gone backwards since the deadline. Doesn't this well, tell you well, that they should have been? You don't think so? No, this is, no I mean, because, you know, they're not that really far out. I mean, it's not like they're, like, you know, like uh, 25, 30 games out. I mean, they're in last place, but it's not, you know, like, you know, like some of the last place teams. I mean, the American League East is a, is a very legit division this year, and all teams, you know, even though they're far behind the Yankees, do have a shot to make the wild card. So I wouldn't say that, you know, they're – they're being sellers in this. I think they still have a, you know, a legitimate shot, much to my dismay, of course, but still. Yeah, but at the same time, though, you know, you look at what everybody else did. Everybody else improved. The Yankees improved. Uh, Toronto, even though Toronto barely did anything, that one move that they pulled off, they improved. Baltimore they actually didn't improve. They got worse, but yet they have now won five straight. So how could it be worse? And Tampa, Tampa, I don't think even did anything. No, that's my knowledge. But I mean, let's let's go let's go to Baltimore for example. Baltimore, they trade away Trey Mancini. Yes. To the Astros as part of a three-team deal. So basically a three-team deal between the Rays, the Astros, and the, and the Orioles. The Astros acquire Trey Mancini from Baltimore and Jaden Murray from Tampa. The Rays acquire Jose Siri from Houston. And the Orioles acquire Seth Johnson, and, Seth Johnson from Tampa Bay and Chase McDermott from Houston as part of a three-team deal. And Mancini has been absolutely tearing up Minute Maid Park ever since he debuted for the Astros. Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost as if the cover has been lifted off of his bat, and he's just been hitting bombs every single game. Bomb after since, bomb uh, after bomb. Since arriving in, yeah, since arriving in Houston. And Tampa, I mean, yeah, they got Jose Siri who – yeah, you know, he he was hitting 210 with seven homers this year for the Astros, but he still has major league experience, so I guess maybe he's a little bit of insurance for their outfield. 
So they can, yeah. you can kind of say that they kind of improved a little bit. Uh, Baltimore, I, I, you know, this was the first trade that I did not understand what Baltimore was doing. Um, even though that, you know, they are in wild card contention, they must feel that with this club that they have right now, they can still potentially sneak into the wild card while still building towards the future. Uh, so not only did they trade away Mancini, but they also traded away their, uh, hang on, let me find, they, they, they traded away their closer as well. If I can find, damn, where's the? Trying to, I'm trying to recall who he. I, I think it, I think it was Jorge Lopez. No, that was the that was the shortstop. Uh, let's no. see. No, no, no. It was Jorge Lopez. Okay, so they traded okay. away Jorge Lopez to the Minnesota Twins for four pitching prospects. Uh, Lopez, which is weird because Lopez, this is easily his his biggest uh, season. I think he had like an ERA of six entering this season, and you know, easily easily by far this was his best season. So I understand maybe Baltimore was selling high on him. Uh, yeah, they acquired. Uh, let's see, who did they get for? So they traded away Jorge Lopez, and they got four pitching prospects. Uh, let's see. I get, you know, I guess this was this was Baltimore's way of of pretty much looking towards the future. But at the same time, though, you know, it's kind of like the same the same thing with with uh, with Milwaukee. You know, if you're a team that's in the playoffs or in the playoff hunt. Wouldn't you want to hang on to players? Absolutely. Wouldn't you think? Oh, sure. But, uh, okay. How were you thinking? Yeah, it's it's weird. So the uh, the package going to the Orioles are left-handed pitching prospect Cade Povich, uh, right-hander Yenier Cano, and a pair of pitching, pro, uh, another pair of pitching prospects, uh, Juan Nunez and Juan Rojas, uh, in the deal. Lopez had a 1.68 ERA with Baltimore this year, a first-time All-Star in this deal, and apparently, you know, Minnesota feels that he can sustain his newfound production that he put up this year. Uh, also, considering the fact that he's under team control until 2024, uh, but you know this kind of this return, you know, maybe perhaps it's not that bad of a return for Baltimore. I just, I just kind of am shocked that you know with them closing in on the deadline or not not on the deadline, but closing in on the wild card that you know they would decide to they would decide to uh to sell instead i you know i don't i don't know what they what they were thinking but uh yeah the yankees 
the Yankees, though, uh, they decided to get really busy. And, I mean, let's just put it this way. They, they could have potentially added two aces to their starting rotation. Right. They did add one in Frankie Montez. Apparently, mm. they were also in on Lopez from Miami as well. But that uh, those talks apparently fell apart the closer they got to the uh, to the deadline officially. But popped out. Uh, yeah, they acquired Frankie Montez as well as Lou Trevino from the Oakland Athletics in exchange okay. for J.P. Sears, uh, Ken Waldachuk, and Luis Medina, as well as second baseman Cooper Bowman, and. I think Montez was ranked as the third ranked starting pitcher, uh, uh, you know, for, for a, a potential deadline deal. Yeah. So not only did they upgrade their bullpen, or I mean their starting rotation, they also upgraded their bullpen by bringing in Trevino as well. Even though, mm-hmm. even though Trevino has a 6.47 ERA, uh, yeah, Problem is he's been the victim of a four of a four fifty one batting average on balls in play because of the fact that Oakland's defense absolutely sucks this year. Yeah. It still is technically an upgrade for a bullpen that saw Chad Green go down with Tommy John surgery, Michael King go down with an elbow fracture, uh Eraldis Chapman becoming a shell of his former self. And Clay Holmes, and Clay Holmes now all of a sudden coming back down to earth in recent weeks. Let's face it, Chapman is no Rivera. Yeah, well, clear, clearly, you know, he's no Rivera. Uh, he's no Mo, uh, Mo Rivera at this point. No, but it, you know, the Yankee, the Yankees, they did also get Efros. Uh, on uh, from the Chicago Cubs, who has had quite a year for Chicago this year, a 2.91 ERA, uh, a righty that definitely adds to the Yankees bullpen, and they basically only gave up minor league right-hander uh, Hayden Westmeski for him, mm-hmm. and he's controllable until the 2027-2028 offseason. So. This dude is under control for another five years beyond this year. Yankees got one – they made one hell of a splash at this deadline. Yeah. Not to mention, they also – at one point they were in on Juan Soto before they were told that they were officially out. They unloaded Ooh. Joey Gallo's contract for yeah, pretty much nothing. Yeah, they unloaded they unloaded Gallo's contract for a guy named Beater, I guess. I, I don't know. The guy sucks. He's like 0-9 in double-A. Yeah, not a smart move. Um, not a smart move. Well, t- you know, to me, to me, Lou, that was just that was just basically saying that they, you know, they just wanted to unload his contract to anybody who would know, take but him. You got, but you got a loser that replaces him. 
book. And that just tells me that they have. It it just tells me, Lou, that they don't have any plans for the guy that, uh, you know, they basically are just taking it as a loss and they decided, well, let's just get something for him, even though um, the guy probably won't have a future with us. Whoever we acquire won't have a future with us. Let's just get the contract off of our books. We'll consider that a win as opposed to keeping him on our roster. And they also acquired outfielder Andrew Benintendi from the Kansas City Royals uh, for for pitching prospects Beck Way, T.J. Sykema, and Chandler Champlain as well. Uh, Benintendi, he's been off to a slow start with New York, but he definitely provides an upgrade at least defensively over Joey Gallo. Um, and I mean, you know, you've seen the you've seen the plays that Benintendi made when he was a member of the Red Sox. So, yeah, it's you know, it's definitely it's definitely a good landing spot uh, for Benintendi, and I think the Yankees will definitely benefit, especially from his defense, if they decide to uh, to put him in the lineup on a regular basis. Uh, let's see who. Oh, this might be why. So they they sent Luis Severino to the 60-day injured list. So this probably means that he he'll be out to at least mid-September at the earliest. So I guess maybe perhaps that means he's still you know playoffs isn't out of the question for him, but no. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Severino is out for the rest of the year at this rate. Uh, the Yankees, yeah, they acquired they they sent away Joey Gallo to the LA Dodgers for pitching prospect Clayton Beater, who, I mean, let's let's just put it this way: he sucks so he sucks so badly that uh, I would not be surprised if he just. I mean, he's a, he has a 5.75 ERA uh, as a starting pitcher with an 0-9 record in Double A. So it, you know, it it just tells me that the Yankees basically just needed a salary dump, essentially. Yes. Now this one I didn't get though, uh, with them trading Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals for Harrison Bader, unless, unless this meant that Montgomery would be downgraded to the, uh, to the Yankee bullpen, maybe perhaps. And maybe he wasn't, you know, maybe he wasn't willing to go to the, to, to go to a bullpen role. So they decided to trade him, which by the way, it's not right. just Bader, but also uh, it'll be, either a player to be named later or cash considerations also going to the Yankees as part of the deal. So it's, you know, that's kind of a questionable decision that I thought of on the Yankees side, but overall, you know, they pretty much upgraded their roster at this deadline. So, 
And I mean, look at where they are now, a 70 and 37 record, even though, even though they've lost their last three games. You know, here's a question uh, where Aaron judge, where Aaron judge is right now. Do you think that he'll be able to, uh, to break the home run record? The franchise home run record, yes. I don't know about the all-time home run record. All right, uh, I have added Alex uh, Alex back on here. Hey guys, um, how you doing? Doing good. We we've basically been uh, we've been discussing. Uh, we had just gone through the uh, all the Yankees uh, acquisitions right. that they that they made at the deadline. Um, Trying to take a look here, I believe Aaron Judge is. Yeah, he. The record is for the American League, at least, is held by Roger Maris with 61 homers. Yes. And yes. right now, with about that's cool. How 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 many how many are there? 60 60 some odd games left. Yes. He's 18 the, homers uh, away. Record. Wow. How many? So he's eighteen he's eighteen homers away. He's at forty three homers and they have about wait a minute, hundred and seven. They they have about like fifty five games left. Yeah. He's there. Considering the, it's it's within play. Yeah, it, i would think it's in play considering uh the the pace that he's been hitting homers this year. Well, yeah, and like, and like any, and like, and like any historically elite, truly elite power slugger, he can also go on a binge where he can hit like six in three games. Well, he did hit True. eight tonight, that's for sure. So if he has a couple of those runs, he's right there. I mean, right now he leads the league in homers and he also leads the league in RBIs. Right now, with 43 homers and 93 RBIs headed into tonight, so you know it's. I, I think with I think with him being 18 homers away, 55 games left, I think it's definitely possible that he could at least at least come close, maybe potentially tie the record. No, I think yeah. I, you know what I would against it. I think he's got a decent shot. I wonder what the odds are in Vegas. Uh, I don't know if there are any odds uh, set up right now for uh, for Judge. I don't know. Lou, you think he can do it? The Amer- uh, record, yes. I don't know about the overall record. I think 61, definitely. Uh, Steve, do you think he's got it or not? What would you say? But I don't know if he's going to break mm. the overall record. Uh, just, uh, it just went final. Uh, one to nothing. Mm-hmm. So that'll make it four straight that they've lost now. Getting a little, little bit interesting in the ALEs. Very little. Yeah, Toronto's, Toronto's 10 <laughs> games back. Very little. <laughs> but there's a little bit going on. 
I don't know. Houston's going to overtake that number one spot. It's going to be trouble because I see the Yankees having to play in the field minute mid. They're home away from home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Houston, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Houston, I think, lost today. So, uh, <laughs> I think they're about maybe a half game back of the Yankees for the top record. Because Yankees are seventy and thirty-eight, Houston is seventy and thirty-nine. So I think they're about a half game back. I, th- I think that's what that equates to. That's what worries me. <laughs> but still, though, you know the Yankees—they have the top uh, differential, uh, run differential in the American in the American League, and second yeah, yeah, in so all of the, the majors. They're only they're only behind the Dodgers by about thirteen runs, so you know there it's by far I believe the Yankees are still the best team in the American League, but you know Houston is definitely right there with them, especially with the upgrades that they made with Mancini and uh, and Vasquez. So maybe perhaps. Uh, Hell, you know, the American League, we're probably looking at either New York or Houston. You know, I don't see Toronto. Uh, I don't see Toronto beating beating New York. Maybe they could beat Houston. I don't see them beating New York, though. And Tampa, Tampa's probably going to be gone in the wild card. So, they will make and the at this no, they'll make the wild card, but I'm saying they'll be eliminated oh. in the wild card, like oh, yeah. uh, the wild okay. card game. And Minnesota, I mean, let's face it, Minnesota with a slim lead over Cleveland and uh, and Chicago right now. Yeah. <laughs> if they somehow make the playoffs, Minnesota isn't going to really do any damage. So, no. honestly, the American League is down to just New York and Houston at this point. Yeah, I would not want to play Toronto if they can get in there. Yeah, I mean that's the most talented team. That's like that's I think the biggest surprise for like not being kind of in the center right now, like right in the thick. I could see Toronto going around a big run the last what two months of the season. Well, their big problem is they just can't click consistently. No, there's so much talent, though. It's like they're waiting to explode. I don't know. They're my dark horse right now. All right. I mean, yeah, if they if they can click consistently, yeah, Toronto is definitely in the mix. But they've been so erratic. You know, I just I just feel like their record should be better. Considering the talent they have on that roster, I feel their record should be better than 59 and 47. Yeah, I agree with that. They've been, they've been up and down all year. It, well, they added Whit Merrifield at the deadline. Nice, uh, the Royals. They did, yeah. Former All-Star. They, I mean, Bichette no, the Guerrero. Uh, Spring, Springer's problem injured again. The only problem that, though, is – the only problem, though, with that is that Merrifield has to get vaccinated. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. That's a small caveat. Mm-hmm. Huh? Otherwise, Jeez, he won't be able to play that. in. Uh, he won't be able to play in Toronto. No. 
interesting. But I mean, it was de- you know it was definitely a uh, you know definitely a big pickup for them at the deadline getting Whit Merrifield, but he uh, I guess they didn't do their homework uh, to see whether or not he was vaccinated because <laughs> yeah. you know that's a huge that's a huge thing up in Canada right now that literally you cannot enter the country unless you're vaccinated. Right. Yeah. I wonder if he went and remember, remember his, uh, I forget the exact quote, but along the lines of, well, you know, if we were going to the world series, I would have already gotten back, but we're not, we're never, we're never going to, they traded him like 24 hours later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Definitely a, a, a quick, quick uh, move on their part. Springer's back in the DL. Who knows? Toronto's so up and down all year. Can't really get a good read on them. But like you said, they have so much talent. They, you know, if they can get it together, they can go on a run. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's so much talent on that roster that it doesn't make sense why their record is the way it is right now. Yeah, Twinkies are beating you know, up on them. There, there is one player who is available on the market right now, Fran Mill Reyes got surprisingly designated for assignment today by the Cleveland Guardians. At, at, at the age of 26. There, he's out of office. He, he's not, he's, he, he's, he was designated for assignment from Cleveland. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. He's been up and down a few times. Very talented, but uh, they've designated him a few times and they suspended him for a week earlier this year. He's had a really bad year from a lot of different standpoints. They just, a 213 just batting average. Yeah, he, he's definitely had a bad year. I mean, 213 batting average, nine homers. He He's a career 253 hitter. Yeah. And talk about a true – he's like a righty uh, – I mean, he's like 260. He, he cannot play any position. So he's a pure DH at this point. Really out of shape, attitude problems. Francona is very, uh, very likable, very popular with players. And when Francona like stopped liking him, there was something wrong. And now he's he's no longer a guardian. Right. It, it just seems it just seems weird to me that uh, he hit forty home runs, thirty-seven home runs. What a year ago. He hit like thirty-five kind of home runs. I'm kind of surprised the team. I'm kind of surprised that a team wasn't interested in him at the deadline and that Cleveland, uh, you know, there was never, there was never any mention of Cleveland making him available. How about like the Mets could have used him. Mets would have probably gotten him. Still could, but I mean, they just got rough and uh, Vogel back and that guy Nacklin's pretty good. I don't mean to steer onto the Mets, but no, it's interesting. He's definitely a good, good enough hitter. Fran Mel Reyes, the Franimal. I mean, he, he was like a home run derby guy. I think he hit about 36 home runs. What? Like 2020 season, uh, seems like yesterday. Guy's got a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the Mets—they were definitely in on a lot of people. I know they were in on JD Martinez. Uh, They were going to try to get—they were going to try to get Martinez and Vasquez in a uh, in a package deal, but uh, you know, once Vasquez went to Houston, that basically eliminated any hopes of a deal between both teams. And I, you know, I still, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm surprised if you're a team like the Red Sox and you're continuing to play the way you're playing, 
this isn't a contending team, even though they're four games out. This isn't a contending team. They're not playing like contenders. You sell if right. you're the Red Sox. And I think I think New York would have been a pretty good landing spot for Martinez, especially considering they need an upgrade at the DH position, even though they got Vogelbach. Yeah, he would have been perfect. That kind of that's upsetting. They didn't really land the big guy. That, he would have been great uh, at City Field. But hey, man, they're winning. I mean, they're taking. They took three out of four so far against the Braves. They're playing really well. And it's Martinez come to, has been heating up too. Martinez yeah, has been heating up too uh, since the deadline. Trust me, I wish they got him. But they're 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 playing great. So like you know, just got to keep going along. They also get Degrom back. They're, they added uh, Trevor May. And then, um, right. They, they get like, that's what I mean, Lou. Like they're getting a big addition back. Just getting Jake back, yeah. first time in eighteen months. They're adding him to a first place team. So now yeah. you have Mad, you have Mad Max and Jake. So now they're gonna probably start hitting, start winning a little bit more down the stretch. I mean, they're they're doing it to, to Atlanta. Atlanta's there. I mean, right now you got they're just focused on Atlanta. They're gonna eventually, obviously, have to move, run to L.A. or San Diego, maybe. St. Louis, I still think it's dangerous. Um, but, yeah, the Mets, I mean, Vogelback's playing well. They, they're, they're Both the new guys, are, they're not glorious, but Ruff and Vogelback, that's like a decent uh, platoon for a DH. I kind of like the that Braves combo. Made a pretty, uh, the Braves you know, the Braves made a pretty questionable move, too. They picked up Jake Odorizzi from uh, yeah. Houston for Will Smith. I saw that, and then uh, Odorizzi really faltered against the Mets. And he was decent for a little bit, but then he gave it up. I mean, I, you know, I just I, – I found it kind of weird trading a lefty for a righty. And, yeah, you know, Smith has had a bit of a down year, a 4.38 ERA. But at the same time, you know, he's recorded 42 saves and a 3.87 ERA in 130 games with Atlanta. So, that's trading that's him – Yeah. You know, it's – I think that was kind of a question mark for me with the Braves because maybe they needed a starter. Maybe they that's why they traded for Oda Ritzy because they needed a starter. But, I mean, that's a pretty big part of the uh, of the Atlanta bullpen that they just gave up in this deal. That's a huge – and Atlanta's usually very sharp and very on the ball when it comes to making trades. That That was a very questionable deal. And you know another deal too. I believe I believe we discussed this uh, after you had uh, after you had uh, you had gotten off the call. Uh, what did you think of the Orioles not just trading away Mancini, but also trading away Jorge Lopez, their cl- their yeah. All Star closer to the Minnesota Twins? Totally, uh, pretty pulverizing to like some of the passionate fans because. They've obviously finally turned a major corner. And then right at the deadline, they moved Mancini. He's obviously not like the most feared bat anymore, but he's still like one of the longtime Orioles. He's definitely the leader of the team. Yeah. But, you know, fan favorite. Now they're finally doing well, and they move him. And then they move their closer, who's, who's their all-star. So that's really confusing to the fan base. But they're, they're offsetting, yeah. I guess, just for save a little money. But apparently they got good hauls, though. I was talking to um, – I know, like, one Oriole guy that lives down near Baltimore, and he said they got really good players in return as far as minor leaguers. 
Oh, so they did. It's almost yeah, like they it. definitely. Um, they got uh, Povich, who was a third-round pick last year. Uh, he was Minnesota's twenty-second oh, wow. overall prospect. Uh, Cano was uh, Cano was actually pretty bad. A nine-point-two-two ERA through ten appearances with Minnesota this year. Uh, and Rojas and Nunez are both uh, playing rookie ball for the uh, for the ball. FCL for the FCL uh, Twins. So um, I forget who they got uh, for Mancini, but Mancini the Mancini deal was a pretty big haul as well. So yes. I mean, yeah, I, man, you know, you know, I guess, I guess for me, I just don't kind of understand it. If they're pushing for a wild card spot, why they would do that? You know, they were not that far out of a wild card spot at the time, and then they trade away Mancini, who has been ripping the ball off of. Uh, he's been ripping the ball out of uh, Minute Maid Park ever since Houston acquired him, and. Yeah then they trade Lopez like they did. It just, it doesn't make sense. You know, maybe perhaps they felt that they could, they could make the playoffs with this roster that they currently have now, while also trying to build a little bit more for the future. That's, that's the mindset that I sense that they're going with. Cause they also bear if they need, they definitely need more arms. They need more starting pitching, you know, to really yeah. make runs yeah. as like their young players, their younger hitters develop. I mean, next year the Orioles are probably going to add two more rookie uh, batters. They're loaded with young uh, hitters. They need more starting. They need more uh, right. arms overall for their their staff and their pen. So I guess they got like two or three arms for uh, for each of the guys. Mancini, I think they got two two good pitching prospects for. You know, and he's like yeah. 31, 32 years old. So it's, now they have like yeah. the guy Mountcastle. Ryan Mountcastle is a really good young hitter. He plays first like Mancini. So now they're going. With, you know, Mancini was like a full time DH. And he's been getting injured a little yeah. bit. They're catcher Rashman up with Cedric Mullins, with Mountcastle, with Austin Hayes, with two more rookies next year. Like the Orioles yeah. have a good group of uh, young players now, mostly hitters. So they they got to get pitching. Yeah. And they don't have the big they don't have the big cap. They're not going to go out and sign a massive like a Max Scherzer. So they got to replenish with uh, young arms. So it kind of makes sense. But yeah, it's tough. It's tough to tell to the fan base because, like you said, Steve, they're, like, finally on their way to a really promising, bright finish to the season, and they trade, like, two of their yeah. leaders away. <laughs> it's, it's not the yeah, last. So it's, it's, unfair to, it's unfair to the fan base, actually. Yeah, especially, too, with the fact that, you know, the fan base went through Mancini having cancer and everything and, you know, recovering yeah. yep. like he did, and they had that whole emotional – return for him and everything and Oriole fans true Oriole. or not true been, Oriole. I think uh I think uh what's it called uh Camden Yards has had the most fans this year for out of the last however many years you know they've had a huge increase yeah they've had a huge increase in attendance this year sure. because of the run that they've been on Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I forgot about this, but the Braves, not only did they trade away Will Smith, but they also acquired Rizal Iglesias from the L.A. Angels. 
I mean, that's a pretty big acquisition. Uh, essentially acquiring the Angels' closer, who has recorded uh, – first off, he has three years left on his deal, so he's under contract for three more years, and he's recorded yeah. a total of 156 saves in his eight-year career while posting a 3.13 ERA. And he's basically going to slide right into that role that Will Smith had. So, uh, honestly, I kind of think that Atlanta upgraded by trading Smith with Iglesias. Yeah. Uh, They're both really good at Another. Go ahead. Both really good additions to an already, you know, team talented, uh, flush with talent. So that front office always makes good moves. They're always savvy. Right. And, you know, another, another, uh, another thing, too, about the Twins, you know, not only did they get Jorge Lopez with, from the Orioles, but they also ended up getting Tyler Molly from the, uh, from the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, in exchange for their number seven prospect, Spencer Steer, uh, their number 18 prospect, Stephen Hajar, and their number 23 prospect, Christian Encarnacion Strand. So all three of those prospects going to Cincinnati for Tyler Molly. Well, you know, I guess, you know, Minnesota is trying to bulk up. Uh, I mean, this is, pretty much a, a pretty good starter that they got here. A 283 ERA in his last nine uh, his last nine starts. Um, and plus he's under team control for the next year too. So uh, the Twins, you know, they're definitely trying to bolster their roster to hang on to that division lead. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, they acquired Former uh, former New York Met Noah Syndergaard from the Angels Noah. for Noah. for outfielder yeah for outfielder Mickey Moniak and uh, outfielder Jadiel Sanchez. Which money, money. I uh, I was I was speaking to my friend uh, from from Sports Whispers who's also a Phillies fan and he said the Phillies basically gave up nobody in this deal. Even though Mon- even though Moniac was the even though Moniac is a former number one overall pick, uh, he sucked for the Phillies. So tell me how great it's going to be when nobody. When, tell me how great it's tell me how great it's going to be in like late August when Noah's pitching in City Field against the Mets. Oh boy! Be yeah, that's going to be sold sold out sold out stadium. Probably, because I, I remember Mets fans never wanted him to go. So, oh, absolutely, he's a fan favorite. Absolutely not. And he did he did pitch he did pitch pretty well in his first Philly start, even though they uh, even though the game got shortened due to rain. He pitched five shutout innings, so uh, it was a pretty good uh, pretty good start to his Phillies career. He did pick up the win in the. Uh, I guess Major League Baseball, you know, if a game gets shortened and the starting pitcher is still pitching, they consider it a complete game now, even if it's a shortened game. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, I mean, Noah's got a great yeah, arm. We'll see. He's a 
key, the key for him is durability, but obviously it's a good get for the Phillies. They're quietly kind of they're they're in the hunt right there. They're they're quietly making they a couple are, moves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and not just that, but they also got David Robertson from the Cubs uh, for right-handed pitcher Ben Brown. Yeah, big yeah. target of the Mets. I'm surprised he landed in Philly, but Philly out, outworked him. They got the guy. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an upgrade for their bullpen, too. And Brown, they only gave up their 26th overall prospect. So, you know, it's not really a big loss for Philly. So, Good move. Uh, let's see. Some of the other deals that were done, I mentioned, of course, uh, the Hosmer deal. Let me see. Scrolling scrolling down the uh, down the list here. We talked about Whit Merrifield. Uh, the Twins, they also got Michael Fulmer from the Tigers in exchange for Sawyer, Gibson, Long. So they definitely have been trying to – oh, <laughs> Okay, never mind. I, I was going to say they've been definitely trying to upgrade their starting rotation, but Fulmer is now a reliever, actually. Reliever. No, the Twins are uplifting just arms uh, arms across the board. Wow. They've added yeah. like three or four good pitchers. Yeah. I, 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 kept, I kept remembering Michael Fulmer as a starter. When he was with, with, when he was yeah. with Detroit. I never, I never knew that he went back oh, yeah. that he went into the bullpen. Son, the Twins now are loading up. They're seven games up. Or sorry, seven games above 500. They're up on the in, up against the Jays in the ninth. They're about to seal the deal for another win. Twins are Twins are making a run, a major run. Wow. I really think they are. And you know what? I was wrong. I thought that the Jays' only move was getting Merrifield, but they did actually acquire Anthony Bass and Zach Pop from the Miami Marlins. For uh, shortstop Jordan Groshans, so they did actually okay. still, they did actually make uh, a couple more moves, a couple of quiet Groshans, moves, but moves nonetheless. I've heard Groshans one of the top. I've heard Groshans is like an elite uh, minor league hitter. Groshans. Yeah, he's uh, he's MLB's number eighty-two overall prospect. Wow, out yeah, of, I heard uh, he's out of all the majors. Dude, he's he's got Bo Chapman. <laughs> Vlad Guerrero, like, look at their infield. It's just insane. So, yeah. I mean, well, the he has are, struggled, I mean, though. He has yeah, struggled in the big, minors, though, this year. High K rate. Yeah, but, I mean, he has he has struggled in the minors, though, this year, hitting only 247 with one homer wow. over 299 plate appearances. So this is kind of a step back, I think, for for Groshans this year. Yeah, absolutely. Which makes them a bit more expendable, a bit more easier to get to to put in a package to make a move. So, you know, the team who lands them is high risk, high reward. Yeah. Uh, the Orioles they did acquire Brett Phillips from the Tampa Bay Rays, who I'm I'm surprised that. Uh, Although I guess I'm not really surprised because he only hit 147, but he did have five homers. Uh, yeah. Phillips ended up being designated for assignment by Tampa before the uh, before the deadline, and there were a whole bunch of teams. I know the Yankees were in on him, the Red Sox were in on him, and he ultimately ended up going to the Orioles uh, as a deadline deal. Uh, the Mets they did get Michael Givens. From the uh, 
Chicago Cubs for right-handed so pitcher Sal Gonzalez. Yeah, Gibbons has a live arm, but he's from Baltimore, formerly of Colorado Rockies. He's always had a, real, a lot of talent, but he he has control issues. So he's kind of like a – he's a volatile arm in the pen. I don't know. We'll see. He got touched up. He gave up a run and uh, two hits tonight in his debut against Atlanta. 266 ERA, though, before – No, he's really uh, well here. And he, he, you know what, Steve? Sorry, but an important part, the best he ever pitched, guess who was managing him? Buck Showalter back in Baltimore. Yes. Yep. So it's kind of a bust move. Yeah, uh, that's what I, that's what I was about to say. I think this may I think this may have been a Buck Showalter move. Period. That's yeah. It. Uh, the Blue Jays they did also make another move. They acquired right-handed pitcher Mitch White, who was a starter at one point for the Dodgers this year, as well as infielder Alex De Jesus. Uh, in exchange for right-handed pitcher Nick Frasso and left-handed pitcher Moises Brito. Uh, De Jesus was ranked by MLB Pipeline as L.A.'s number 19 prospect, and White basically found himself as the odd man out despite putting up solid numbers while being a sixth, uh, while being a sixth starter and a long reliever for the Dodgers this year. So the Jays, they quietly did load up despite some of these uh despite some of these numbers. Yeah, that's always so, they've always been a stat front office. So whether it's over the radar or off the off the grid, they always make it good additions. I mean they're loading up. I think they're gonna go on a serious run. Yeah. I I, you know, I'm kind of agreeing with you now, uh, Alex. I, I'm probably looking at uh, Toronto as a potential sleeper. Although, if they Springer, can, Springer just went back on the IL today, literally. So that I mean, they can yeah, deal with but, that, but they still have a good core, regardless. They still have plenty of good enough hitters. Yeah, but how you know how long is that going to really? keep them out you know yeah hopefully if it's 14 days it's a lot better than 30 or 60 i mean yeah but springer that's that's been his death now his whole career unfortunately he's an uber talented player and he just tends to get injured that's just the way it's been pretty much Uh, and the last notable deal that i can see here uh the cardinals they ended up acquiring uh, lefty Jose Quintana as well as righty Chris Stratton from the Pittsburgh Pirates for right, uh, right-handed right pitcher Johan Oviedo and third baseman Malcolm Nunez. So they basically bolstered their rotation by getting one of the top lefty options on the market in Quintana. Which, according to... According to the ranks, he's tied for fifth place among NL starters in home runs per nine innings at point oh or at zero point nine one homers per nine innings, and he also boasts a forty five percent ground ball rate this year. And they also got Stratton, who is who has a five point oh nine ERA across 40, uh, 40 appearances out of the bullpen. 
And it looks like as far as the prospects, well, they gave up a reliever in Oviedo, and Nunez was the Cardinals' 10th best prospect, uh, according to MLB Pipeline, hitting 255 this year with a career-high 17 home runs in A. So kind of a little bit of a price uh, the Cardinals had to pay in order to get the top lefty option on the market here. Yeah, but I mean, Bader should be bad. Yeah. Overall, I'm, though, jumping off know, about, I'm, I'm jumping off in about 15 minutes. I got to run. What? How long are you going for? Well, uh, uh, well, you know, it, it depends. I mean, we, we do still have to talk about the NFL, so – um, oh, totally. Well, actually, I might have to go myself because I, right I think I got other duties. So, uh, just give me a second here to check. Well, if you if you do, you know what we can uh, we can hold off on these stories until next week if you want. All right. Okay. Yeah, because uh, duty is calling for another one of my uh, other territories. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? You know uh, I mean. We won't. Steve, you want to go on for fifteen can... minutes? Call it at eleven fifteen. All right, yeah, we can do that. Um, so, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about the NFL because we do have yeah, uh, we do have the the Deshaun Watson situation here. Yeah. Uh, he has been, according to a judge, uh, Judge Sue L. Robinson, uh, he has officially been suspended for the first six games of the NFL season. Uh, the NFL is now appealing this decision as they want to suspend him indefinitely, which will then cause Watson. It will it will cause Watson to then file a lawsuit against the NFL. Which wow, uh, yeah. It also says here that. Um, So the suspension was for the first six games of the season with no additional fine uh, and requirements that he shall not receive massages other than directed by club personnel and shall not have adverse involvement with law enforcement, according to the judge's ruling. Um, The NFL Players Association and Watson both said that they would not appeal the decision. Likely aware at the time, you know, that the, that the decision would probably be shorter than some had anticipated. And the suspension will only cost him about about a third of a million, so $333,333, which is basically nothing considering his, his the first uh, year of his deal is only about a million dollars. That is a drop in the bucket. Yeah. It's basically nothing, essentially. Um, and yeah, according to according to what I've read, the NFL has officially appealed his suspension, and basically, they're looking for an indefinite suspension with one year serving as the minimum, which will undoubtedly lead to Watson officially suing the NFL. Uh, and from what it you know, from what it sounds like, it sounds like perhaps because the judge 
cited a pattern of behavior that was egregious while bre- while making a briefing of her decision. So I guess it it, it kind of seems like uh you know the NFL thinks that it should be this this tells me that the NFL is basically trying to save face with the with their female demographic that they feel if they make an example out of Watson that uh you know they'll get uh, they'll get they'll keep their female demographic in terms of uh in terms of their audience essentially cuz it makes them look good if they go hard on a uh on a serial predator like uh like Watson and uh, you know honestly I kind of feel like six games is kind of low considering the fact that uh, what's his name? Cal- considering uh, that what's his name? Calvin Ridley got suspended for the whole year for gambling $1,500. A full year. Which is more egregious? Yes. Thank you. No. Yeah. You got to give him at least, I would say 12 to 16 games. I would go full throttle on a year. Uh, but without criminal convictions. But then again, neither did uh, – Ridley didn't get touched in that regard either. So I don't yeah. know. I mean, what's more fitting? What's more fitting? Higher to the side, right? The higher side in comparison, in direct comparison. Recent and relevant at the same comparison. T- at the same time, though, when you think about it, the fact that Watson even settled with the women, that has to show – Guilt, uh, guilt, doesn't it? Shows contrition. Yeah, professionally, yeah, he's covering his, you know what, and it's an admonishment of guilt, hundred percent. Yeah. So basically, yeah, he hasn't been criminally charged, but at the same time, you know, he's showing he's showing guilt. Basically, the fact that he chose to even settle with the women. That's the bottom line. It's hundred percent so, correct. And me and meanwhile, I mean, I understand the president has already been set with, uh, you know, with Pete Rose being banned from baseball for gambling. But I mean, it's kind of hypocritical by the NFL the fact that they have a gambling sponsorship, and yet they suspend one of their players for a year for gambling fifteen hundred dollars on on his own team. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm. I mean, it just it it just it just seems very egregious. It seems very egregious by the league to you know essentially give a lesser uh, you know give a give a year long suspension to a guy for gambling, and yet, well, technically, it wasn't even the league's decision to give him only six games. It was a judge's decision. So, technically, you would think that if the league gets the opportunity, at the bare minimum, he'll be suspended for for how many how many games are there in a season now? Seventeen, eighteen? Seventeen now. Yeah, brand new seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, he'll be suspended for at least seventeen games. And obviously, if the play if they make the playoffs, he'll be suspended for the playoffs too. I'll tell you what. So I'll tell you what. Right now, I'm throwing I'm throwing twelve. I'm giving 12 right there. That no one can complain on either side. It should be 12. I don't think it'll be 12. I think it'll be at least a full year. 
that's going to be huge either way. Huge announcement. Yeah, I mean, right now they have Jacoby Brissett as their starter. So that that just shows you how fucked up it is uh, in Cleveland right now. Yes, a mistake by the lake. If Deshaun gets shut down for too long, the mistake is going to be a lot quicker by the lake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not just that, but uh, the NFL this past week officially suspended Dolphins owner Stephen Ross until October 17th and stripped the team of their first round pick this year, as well as their third round pick in 2024 for tampering violations. Ross is also barred from any league meetings until the annual meeting in 2023. He's also been removed from all league committees and he was fined one and a half million dollars. As the report that came out found that the Dolphins had impermissible communications with Tom Brady in 2019, 2020, and 2021, as well as former Saints coach Sean Payton in January of 2022. And just just to show you the scale of this, that means that they have been in contact with Brady since the beginning of training camp in his final year with the Patriots meaning they're the reason why Brady left the Patriots to begin with. Wow. Fascinating. That's a, that's, a, because, that's quite the turn of events. Because the rumor is uh, the plan was Brady was going to be like a minority owner or something. He was going to be a minority owner slash player for the, uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Wow. That's very interesting. I mean, that's that's and it's amazing. What's remarkable, Steve, about that particular move is, as we know, that that was well in advance. No one really knew about it until it like came out at the end when it messed up. Remember that the timing? It, it was a lot yeah. closer than people realized. It was a lot closer behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, and uh, you know, I find it very surprising too that Miami they even continued to speak with him after he had signed with Tampa Bay. <laughs> So they've been in contact with him for the last two years from 2020 and 2021 while he was with Tampa Bay. And of course, 2019, when he was with the Patriots, you know, it's just, it's dumbfounding to me. The fact that, okay, they've been in contact with him trying to make a deal with him while he was with another team for three straight years. And you mean to tell me he's only been suspended until October, the middle of October, and they've only had to give away a first-round pick and a third-round pick? Yeah, that's insane. I mean, Talk to me, double. it's you – know, this, this is the biggest player that has ever played the game, arguably. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you mean to tell me that, the, that literally that's the only that, – that's – it for a punishment. Yeah, that's way too light. Now, of course, Tom Brady, of course, didn't get uh, he didn't get punished at all, and neither did Sean Payton because it's not their fault that another team is calling them. Um, but uh, Miami was also investigated for tanking after former coach Brian Flores had claimed that Stephen Ross 
had offered him $100,000 per game to intentionally lose in 2019. The league ended up finding that the comment was not intended or taken to be a serious offer. So basically they said that that they that the Dolphins weren't intentionally tanking. They just plain sucked. Okay, fair enough. So, I I mean, just to me, it, it, it seems like the suspension was is kind of low, and that the Dolphins kind of got off easy. I don't know if if it's because he's a good friend of a. Uh, of Goodell or something, because you know Goodell yeah. loves to protect his guys. You know, you know, you know Goodell lo- loves to protect Goodell, his guys. Goodell, he always likes so, to, yeah, he likes to protect his guys for sure. So it's to, to me, it kind of seems it kind of seems like he he uh, he gave. And we haven't even gotten into the whole gambling aspect of this, too, because there could have been if – well, actually, no, because technically with it, uh, with it being proven that, that they did not intentionally tank, uh, you know, for money reasons, it would have been even worse if, if it had been proven that, that he had intentionally uh, – you know, he was paying Brian Flores to tank because that would have been – screwing with uh you know with gambling essentially which is funny considering he also owns a casino so he would have been able to potentially make money on the side by betting against his team to lose yeah it's really not not the best look for the nfl probably should have been a harsher uh, punishment laid down yeah you know it's, it's it's pretty much just a uh uh, essentially, I would say that this is, you know, uh, they've been making a pretty big deal about the, about this, uh, about this. I mean, I would say maybe it's not even that big of a deal because Miami still has a first round pick in this year because of San Francisco. So it's not like they, or was it Philly? I forget. It was either Philly or San Francisco that gave them their first round pick for no, this Miami, upcoming Miami season. Philly. Philly has and Miami's next uh, number one pick. Philly has two more well, uh, number wait, ones what? next year. Well, wait. What number one does Miami then have? Because Miami had two number one picks, uh, had two first round picks this I'm year sure coming into one. this year. They, they gave up one to Philly. They lost one in that in that direction to Philadelphia. Hang on. When they drafted I'll find the out right Alabama, now. when when uh, the Dolphins moved up to get the Alabama receiver above the Eagles, Devontae Smith's yeah. uh, teammate. What's the guy's name? The young guy. Oh, um, from Alabama. Um, the Dolphins receiver from Bama. James on Will. Or, 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 oh, oh, uh, shit. I Dolphins forget his name. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say James. I, I was gonna, Waddle. Yeah, Jalen Waddle. Yeah. I was, yeah, was going to say up, James on Williams. I they gave the Eagles James the number on one, Williams future number one. Yeah. They gave the Eagles a future number one to move up in the first. Insane deal for the Eagles. So the Eagles swapped picks with them and then, like, got it back. They're, they owe the Eagles one of those picks. Okay, so it is the Niners pick. So they do have the Niners pick uh, that they got oh, from God. the Niners when, when the Niners moved up to take uh, Trey Lance. Exactly. So they still have that. They double swapped with the Eagles and then the other way with them. 
Yeah. So they have they still have one. And game. and they still have they still have. Uh, so basically, with this suspension and this uh, the removal of draft picks this year, and they and they have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I yeah. don't know about I don't know about Tua I don't know about Tua Tua, but we'll see. Sorry, back to so the, uh, they do, the defense. They do have the first round pick from San Francisco this year. They have their regular second and third round pick. They have the third round pick from New England from part of the Devontae Parker trade. Uh, they have the sixth round pick from Chicago for Jakeem Grant, and they have their fifth and seventh round picks. So. You know, they pretty much pretty much the only pick the only pick that they lost for this year is basically their their overall uh first round pick, essentially. They swapped it out for that. Yeah, it's not a bad haul at all. Yeah. So they're still in the standings. We'll see. Miami has a lot of talent now. Yeah, they do. They 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 have a lot of talent. Um I mean obviously Tua is basically going to be the big question mark on that offense so you know even if even even if they suck this year you know it's I don't I don't know who their who their pick would go to you know how they would do it unless they would just move everybody up to one pick you're right and the thing is as you as we both know they have to give to at least one full year but this is kind of make or break I mean if you I think you can do well we'll see Short stuff, right? With Waddle and like Tyree Kill over the middle, little slants. But I mean, he's got to be able to throw the ball downfield a little bit. It's a little bit like a backyard football. Like it's like Tua, where's your arm? I saw him throw that in yeah. college. It's got to show up on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, we did have a couple of signings. Uh, the Buccaneers, they picked up Julio Jones on a one-year deal. Uh, I mean, he, he's he's not even a top receiver anymore. He's like a, he's like a third but receiver. But he could be awesome that, for them, though. But he could be awesome for oh, them, he dude, should Brady. Dude. Yeah, with Brady. That's ridiculous. With Brady, he should definitely <laughs> be. I mean, it's a, it's a huge upgrade from Matt Ryan and from Ryan <laughs> Tannehill. So. Dude, he could, he, could, he could blow up in Tampa. Oh, my gosh. Julio. With Brady and Gronk, his, oh Gronk says he's done. His you know Gronk will be is, back. Uh, at some point, maybe, but right now he's retired down again. Down the road, yeah, he's in like Vegas right now, just hanging out. But uh, you know, it dep- it all depends. Um, obviously, with with Julio Jones, uh, his number one thing is he has to stay healthy, basically. Absolutely, that's it. That's it. That's pretty much he his struggled only to problem. stay healthy. I mean, Tennessee shelled out a lot of money. Remember, he was going to be a big addition with AJ Green and and uh, you know Derrick Henry and Tannehill. They were that close to exactly. getting to the Super Bowl, and then they, add, they they were that close to getting to the Super Bowl, and then they added Julio, and the injuries just derailed them the whole year. Really, I mean, right? And they kind of felt they fell apart on several levels, sadly. But Tennessee was kind of doomed overall. But yeah, he just struggled to even get anything going. Yeah. We'll see if he gets uh, uh, revitalized with Tommy. Yeah, and you know, you know another, since we're talking about injuries, uh, Chris Carson had to retire from the Seattle Seahawks oh, due, to, uh, due to his neck injury. Uh, that's tough. That's really tough. 
Yeah, due to his neck injury. He, I, I mean, he ran for a combined 2,000, almost 2,400 yards between the 2018 and 2019 seasons. But yeah, he was really, really he good. needed surgical. He needed to surgically fuse his neck, and it basically kept him out of the league for the last two years, I believe it was. So he's basically done as an NFL. Like he can't even play anymore, period, because of that. Uh, because of that surgery. Wow. But uh, they did though. They did uh, sign DK Metcalf to a three-year, seventy-two million dollar deal. So they have him locked up at least uh, for their receiving oh, core. Steve, I just had to call my buddy. My brother is overseas, but I can so I can stay on actually till eleven thirty. So we can do it on thirteen minutes if you okay. want. Okay. All right, that's if great. If that's if that's cool, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Yeah, we'll go till eleven thirty. All right. Um, so yeah, you know they did. Even though they lost Chris Carson, they were able to get. Uh, the, you know they were able to keep DK, DK Metcalf for at least uh, the foreseeable future, because I know he was a big question mark, you know, whether or not he would be traded or, uh, or if they'd be able to sign him to an extension, which they ended up doing. Uh, I mean, he, he needs a better quarterback though, because yeah, I'm sorry. You're not going to, you're not going to make it with uh, who do they, who do they have that former, uh, they got they got the former the former guy from Denver, uh, Drew Locke, I think. I mean, I'm sorry if you're choosing between Geno Smith and Drew Locke, there's no way in rock hell bottom. you're gonna that's rock bottom. Yeah, that's rock bottom essentially. You know, for honestly, if I was DK Metcalf, I'd that's be looking for a combo. trade out of there. That is that's that, Steve. That's probably the worst combo. If you really think about both of them, that's the worst duo I've seen on paper in in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would rather I would rather catch passes from Justin Fields in Chicago <laughs> right now. You know, everybody everybody <laughs> talks shit listen, about Justin Fields. Listen, listen, we know Pete Carroll is kind of like a California guy, maybe like a little surfer stoner. He's always like the optimist, like shaking hands with everyone. There's no yeah. way Pete's happy, but potentially going into week one with oh, no. Lock, Lock and Gino. That is just absolutely brutal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – it, it, I'll tell you one thing right now. I think Pete Carroll may be on thin ice, honestly, <laughs> with, uh, with Seattle. I, I think uh, I would be very surprised. You know, and it's even worse because I don't know if he's going to want to go through a rebuild. That's the thing. Because right now it looks like you're headed for a rebuild. If you're going to have a quarterback uh, headed by – if you're going to have a quarterback room headed by Drew Locke, I'm sorry, uh, no. You know, Drew Locke (laughs) had weapons in – he had weapons in Denver and he wasn't able to even use them. Everywhere he goes, he cannot utilize anything. No, he's banished. There's yeah. no way he starts the game if I'm a coach in the NFL. No, they should they should still make a move for Jimmy G. I I wanted them to try to get Baker. I mean, at least I thought it would be at least kind of intriguing, like some potential. At least Baker Baker would have been an upgrade. 
some some potential there. Yeah, and right now they're like it's a dead end. They need to try to get Jimmy uh, yeah, G. Least, but I hear the Giants might get least, him. Jimmy G. At least Baker would have been an upgrade over over Locke, even if they had to settle on Baker. Yeah, hundred percent. So. You know, I agree, though. I think they should at least try to get Jimmy G, especially considering the fact that the, uh, San Francisco has already told uh, Jimmy G they've already given him uh, permission to start looking for a trade because they've yeah, exactly. already told him, look, we're going, we're going forward with, uh, uh, with Trey Lance as our number one starter. So, And if they're going with Trey Lance, I'll tell you this much. Uh, we're not going to be seeing San Francisco in the playoffs anytime soon. No, absolutely not. I mean, that's just that's just that's just, just looking at that trade. It was it, there was weird optics. I wasn't a firm believer. I know there was a lot of uncertainty with some of those uh, really talented kind of younger quarterbacks in that class. That just, I mean, they traded a lot, and that and then they're like forcing Jimmy G out. And apparently, I mean, I did not see anything overly encouraging about Trey Lance. Maybe I missed something. I don't know. What do you yeah. think? I mean, he's got a lot he had five touchdowns. He had five touchdowns and two picks with 603 yards in very limited play this year, this past season. Okay. So solid. I mean, maybe there's maybe there's something there, but I'm gonna need to see a hell of a lot more of an improvement this year before I'll even mark him as the starting quarterback for the 49ers before I'll mark him as the next franchise player. You know, I'm going to need to see a lot of improvement because even in the games that he played, he was very shaky. You know, it it seemed like he was, he was basically a rookie that was essentially thrown to the wolves. Uh, Yeah. Kind of skittish. He completed, he he only had a 57.7 completion percentage. A little bit of a deal uh, in the headlights. Yeah, completing 41 out of 71 attempts. And his long, I will say, he does have an arm. His longest was 76. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. he does have an arm. Um, He's definitely got the fact, cannon. The two, games, the two biggest games that he played uh, against Houston, where they won 23-7, he went 16 of 23 with 249 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. He got sacked once for a quarterback or a, a rating of 116 with a quarterback rating of 31.4. Uh, the other game was a 17 to 10 loss to Arizona where he went 15 of 29 for 192 yards. He threw one pick, had no touchdowns, uh, passing at least. I don't know what he did uh, rushing. Let me check rushing. Uh, rushing. Yeah, well, that game rushing, he had 16 rushes for 89 yards, didn't have any touchdowns. He had one. He's an agile, he's a wiry. I, I'll never say anyone's Randall Cunningham, my favorite QB ever, especially athletically. But no, he's got that wide rangey. Yeah. Not thinner than like Culpepper. He looks almost a little bit like Randall Cunningham. He's got the long legs at least. I'm, say, I'm not. I'm not comparing the two overall. I'm just saying he's got almost the build. He's got a big arm. I don't. I just maybe. You know what? They have good coaches there in San Francisco. What do you think his chances are of having almost a Pro Bowl year in San Francisco? <sighs> Lance? 
I mean, I'm just going off the cuff a little bit. This is a good topic, though. You know, yeah, I know. You know, I don't really know because let me take a look at their roster right now. They, they have on the depth chart. They, brought, they brought back. They brought back their their inspirations. They got Debo back. Debo Samuel's back. Yeah, they got uh, Debo. They got they deal. got Debo. They got I Ayuk uh, is the number two starter. Kittle's uh, nice. back. That's that's they nasty. Did sign Trent Williams. They have a sick offense. Uh, Look at those names. Look at those names. Yeah. Kittle. I mean, I don't, I, I don't. I don't. I don't recognize. I don't recognize Jennings though. So I mean, I recognize. I mean, the, his top two options are good. They got Kittle obviously as his, as his tight end. They got Jusic at, uh, at fullback. That's a nice uh, core. I mean, because then you got Ayuk tackles, and Debo. It's a nice core. Tackles are pretty. His tackles are pretty good too. Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. Um, I don't recognize the other three though. I don't recognize the other three. They have really good lines. McKivitz, McKivitz, Brendel, and and Brunskill. I don't recognize for some reason. I'd I'd imagine maybe one or two are a rookie, and then maybe like a free agent. They don't ring a bell. Maybe. I'll have to look them up. I'll look them up over the weekend. And their starter, uh, their starting running back is Elijah Mitchell with uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. The only reason why Jeff Wilson Jr. is uh, second, I believe, is because he was injured basically all of last year. Yeah, it's true. I think that's probably why that they have him. Uh, but once they get rid of Garoppolo, Nate Sudfeld is going to be the backup quarterback. That's going to be a major yikes. If literally Nate, if Nate Sudfeld, if if Trey, God forbid Trey Lance goes down with an injury at all this year, and you don't have Garoppolo, and your season is basically going to rely on Nate Sudfeld, who basically shat his pants in the middle of a primetime game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good luck, good luck to your franchise this year. Uh, you better could hope be that Trey problematic. Lance stays healthy. Yeah, it could be a little bit problematic if that were, if that were to uh, unfold. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll put it this way. You know, I, I, I've, said, I've said that I, I have my doubts about Trey Lance. I would rather take Trey Lance over Nate Sudfeld. I'll just put it that way. Because oh, yeah, I saw week. Sudfeld play. I saw Sudfeld play, and he was absolute trash in He's the game. Dumpster. that He's, uh, dumpster fire. He's a dumpster fire. Yeah. Basically. Doug Peterson couldn't even control him. That was that was the worst exactly. quarterback game I think I've seen. It was you know, one of the worst. that was basically that was basically uh, Doug Peterson's first. way of saying that was Doug Peterson's way of saying fuck it. We are basically throwing the towel on the season. <laughs> on we the are season. done here. One final game. Yeah, that was the most brutal display I've, I've seen in many years at the quarterback position. So it's I I, I just I just got to say you know they. San Francisco better hope that Trey Lance can stay healthy. That's all. That's all I got to say. Because otherwise, they're up for. Uh, you know, they got some problems. If, I got to wrap it up. If Lance gets in, what do you want? To, I got two minutes, bud. What do you want to talk about? Any last last topics? Uh, I got to go at eleven thirty. Nah, you know what? I don't think I don't think I really have anything else actually. Um. Great show, man. I mean, they're all they're all pretty much minor. Uh, oh, actually, no. Uh, 
the Texans, they have lost their rookie wide receiver, John Mechie, uh, probably for the year okay. with uh, a cute pi- uh, pro Miele- I don't. I'm not even going to try and pronounce that, but he has leukemia, basically. Um, and it says that it, he will likely not play football for the entirety of 2022. Uh, and right now he's on the non-football injury list, and who knows how long he may potentially be out with this. So, I mean, he's going to have to he's going to have to shake off major rust whenever he does resume his uh, football career. Huh. All right, Paul, I'm going to jump off. All right. Hey, thanks for, thanks for joining me thanks tonight, Thanks for a great show, Steve. All right, but I'll yep. talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. All right. Thanks, everyone. All right. Good night. Yep. All righty. And uh, with that being said, we are going to wrap it up uh, for tonight. Um, we will be back, of course, next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, a reminder to our listeners, if you are a Survivor fan, tune in this Tuesday night for an interview with R.C. St. Amour from the Survivor Philippines. I, I guarantee you guys, you are not going to want to miss this. It is, some bombs are going to be dropped. I'll just put it that way. Uh, thank you to Lou and thank you to Alex for joining me tonight. We will be back, like I said, next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. If you guys haven't done so yet, subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or by downloading the podcast at either iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. And, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.